Hello, and welcome to today's edition of Chapter by Chapter. I am your host, Will Cowan, and with me today, I don't know why I said it like that, like you're somebody new. It's Steve. Steve, say hi, Steve. Hi, Steve. Hi, Steve. Hi, Steve. How are you today? I'm pretty good today. It's good. You know, yesterday was a little. Yesterday it, was a little rough for me. Yeah, yesterday was a roller coaster. I was there for for that. You were. You look like a mess. You look like Thanks. well, you look like a mess all the time. But like yesterday, oh, oh, you look like you're mad at me now. <laughs> I am. I'm, I, we're shutting this whole show down. <laughs> yes. Welcome everybody to chapter by chapter. Today we are getting into chapter twenty seven of Eye of the World, Shelter from the Storm. And uh, we're we're cutting back and forth now uh, from... Every chapter's kind of cut between different cast of characters. So last chapter, we spent some time with Tom, uh, with Rand, and, uh, and Matt uh, to... I don't want to say various success because there wasn't a lot of success in that chapter. <laughs> but today, Well, there was for Matt and Rand, but... Yeah, yeah, they got out. But my today, boy Tom. Yeah, we'll Rip. see how it goes. But today, uh, we cut back to Perrin and Egwene and their new friend, uh, Elias. We're, we're back with the wolf pack, everybody. We're back with the wolf pack. That's right. What, the Elias wolf? and his wolf friends, Dapple, Burn, Wind, and Hopper. Oh, you nailed it. You nailed Boom. it. I think I'm gonna. I'm. I think I'm joining the wolf pack. I'm the next member. Look, uh, we can do the wolves off by heart. I don't know. I got cloud for the horses. Uh, and Bella. That's, and Bella. I still haven't improved on that. Yeah, yeah. No, nothing for horses. I guess that just go, goes to show we're uh, we're uh, wolf brothers. That's right. Yeah. Well, that's been today's episode, guys. So thanks for listening. <laughs> <laughs> no, of course not. No. So. Let's get into it. So the chapter opens up with uh, Perrin kind of being, he's kind of pissed off about the the rate of which they're traveling because they're with the traveling people at this point. And the traveling people, they like to travel, but they travel leisurely. They're real chill about it. They're real chill about it. He's kind of just pissed. He's just kind of fed up with their hippie bullshit. Yeah. I mean, if you're from like an Emmons field, if you're an Emmons fielder, you work with your hands, you know? You, That's right. you you get shit done. You have a plan. Uh, and walking around with these hippie folk and just not like do, not really following a plan that's going to grate on you and you want to get shit done. But at the same time, Perrin is also thinking about the well-being of this group, this group of people. He's thinking like, look, we're being hunted right now. We're being hunted by Miradraw. We're being hunted by Trollocs. Baalzaman is apparently after us. Like the, all of evil is focused on us right now, and I don't want these people to uh, to get hurt in that same way. You know, yeah. he even goes up to Elias and he starts like he talks to Elias about it, and he's like, "Why aren't we moving at a faster pace? Like, why aren't we do like why aren't we going?" Yeah, he kind of like plants the seed to be like, you know, like we should be moving faster, and like shouldn't we be like parting ways with these guys anyways? Yeah, we've got is like no, nah, like it's cool. I yeah. don't mind these guys. Well, Elias says at this at around this point where he goes like, "I'm I'm waiting for something," or uh, something tells me to wait. I think that's what he's that's what he said. Yes, yeah, he says yeah. But he so needs to stay with them and wait for something like a premonition. 
like a premonition or maybe he is uh, talking with the wolves or something like that. And the wolves also feel something not exactly sure, but he's being, he's being kind of like forced to wait through his own feelings. And Perrin is, he's pissed about that. He doesn't want to deal with that. He's trying to get Egwene's attention, but Egwene is loving this life. She is loving hippie life. She's having a good time. She's dancing. She's making friends. That kid, that one kid is still trying to wine and diner, and you know, she's just reaping the benefits of that. Fuck that guy. (laughs) Yeah, fuck that guy. That guy's awful. That guy, I don't really have a hierarchy list of like my favorite characters. I mean, Tom's probably up there, but uh, Aram, that guy is. That guy's at the bottom. Yeah, and he's just being an ass. Everything and all of it, like everything with him trying to court Egwene here is he's just being an ass and trying to like rub things, rub it into Perrin. Giving him those stupid smiles again. Jackassy grins. <laughs> I hate him. I hate his face. <laughs> yeah. And and he, Perrin wants to talk to Egwene about this, but he just can't get into it. So, or he can't really get to her because she's just, she's she's not time. She's not stopping. She's not slowing down. Yeah. There's, around this point, there's a, there's a point where it kind of goes over for a couple of days where he can't really talk to Egwene, so he's just kind of like living in in this situation. He wants to move away from these people. He wants to protect these people ultimately, and and he wants to save his friends. But he's waiting for Elias to say the word. He's he can't talk to Egwene. So while he's kind of like hanging out here, they do these like fires. They're like uh, the the tinker, the tra- the traveling people, also known as the tinkers or uh, the, the tinkers, or I think the tuath tuathon tuathon. They are like, they are like a partying people. They like dancing. They like hanging out. They like, they hate violence. No one knows violence, but like partying is their thing. So every night there's kind of like this dance that kind of goes on a traditional dance. And during one of these bonfire dance feast. Yeah. More dancing. They live it up. They live it up. Hey, look, like if I was a Gwaine and you just came back from like kind of a miserable lifestyle in Emmonsfield on top of the fact that you survived like trollic attacks this is this is attractive this hey, i mean the tinkers they do see like it does seem like that's where it's at oh yeah that's probably where i'd be <laughs> absolutely so I'm if you and i were on this quest you'd be like look man why not just stay i'd be a gleaming tinker oh yes yeah that's my class during one of these uh during one of these dances there's like a rhythm that starts and starts like a solo dance and the solo dance is just this one girl and she starts dancing in front of parent, like kind of like sensually, you know? Yeah. Like that uh, scene in from dust till dawn when Salma Hayek has that snake wrapped around her. And she's <laughs> like, I think she puts her foot in Quentin Tarantino's mouth. You know? Oh yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. <I'm>, <laughs> you know, it's funny that you thought of that scene. Cause I was thinking of the scene in Ace Ventura too. Wow. Hey, I can't reference everything. Ace Ventura 2 can't be my point of reference for everything. I'm only referencing it because I did watch it recently. And man, let me tell you, it holds up. Holds up. Holds up. It's a, it's a classic. Calls. And she's doing this sensual dance in front of her. And he starts blushing because like, how old are they? Like 14, 15? Yeah, they're pretty young. And like Perrin, you know. He has no way this with this. Um, you know, I... It's uh, I've been watching recently, uh, rewatching Arrested Development, and you know, Parent strikes me as a 
young Michael Sarah, a young George Michael. Like young George Michael. Yep. Very I, awkward with the ladies. I would say he's bigger than that. Like uh, in terms a, of women. Yeah, in terms of women, he's just like, yeah, I, I see exactly what you mean. Because he's so he's so he's blushing, and he, you know, and as we spoke about in the last chapter, like he doesn't really know. He's, no, he's like zero ideas what he's doing, and if any any female attention comes his way, he just starts to feel uncomfortable and doesn't know what to do with it. And during that dance, like another girl notices that he's blushing while he's while he's dancing, so she starts dancing, and it happens yeah, for like, she's like about it too. three or four different girls like come up there. Yeah, until he has a group of them that are all just shaking it for him. <laughs> yeah, because they know it just makes him uncomfortable, which like. Uh, fuck you. <laughs> I mean, I think it's, I think it's cheeky. No, they're I think just, they're having fun with it. Yeah, they're just, yeah, they're just taking, they're just taking it. I think they right? like him. I think most of them like him. I think most of them would go out for a bread and cheese date if he asked. Oh man, definitely for a bread and cheese date. But he won't ask and he They'll, just feels uncomfortable. And, uh, even Rain, uh, the, the tinker leader, the one that we've, uh, already spoken to, I think the last time we saw, uh, the wolf pack, he makes a comment. He's like, these girls have never like dance like that in a long they they haven't done dance like that in a long time and then it, it progress it like it continues for like weeks they just do it every night in front of them to the point where it's like uh Perrin like he learns how to control his blushing and everything and then once that kind of is controlled then Egwene starts getting involved with the dancing <laughs> yeah so it's like of course and it just continues like they just keep they just keep share, shaking it for a little old parent. Yeah. I mean, Elias says something here. Uh, I can't remember what page it was. Page 414. Whatever that meant. Uh, he said something that I don't know if I really understand what he's trying to say. He goes He goes up to Perrin and he goes, I have to thank you. It's different with you young fellows, but at my age, it takes more to warm my fire. It takes more than a fire to warm my bones. Yeah, I uh, took note of that line too. I think we all know what he's talking about there. We all know what he's talking about, but it's a weird way. What does he? What does he actually mean? What is the literal sense? Is that just a turn of phrase in this world? What he means is that he doesn't get. He doesn't get he doesn't get a lot of action. He doesn't get turned on just by seeing women. But if they're dancing and shaking a goods like Selma Hayek with a snake wrapped around him, then maybe he does. It's during this time where Egwene was dancing or is dancing. It's where Perry notices like blue beads in her hair. And mm-hmm. these blue beads are like this traditional sort of gift that the Tuathon gives. Uh, or Tuathon children gives, and it's uh, it's a gift from Aram, and that just makes his blood boil. Yeah, it's just some sort of courting gift. Yeah, uh, but she doesn't seem to be falling for Aram's shenanigans. I think she's just more stoked. She's just going along with it. Yeah, like if you're going to be a part of this, make the most of it. I think Egwene was probably like I think. Well, it, it was said in the earlier earlier on in the book that she was kind of like she liked to party you know she liked to dance yep. she liked the she liked uh beltine she likes a whiskey drink she likes a vodka drink i thought you were gonna go more for that and i was like i was ready for 
Um, but I think it's around this point where Perrin finally gets to talk to Wayne just a little bit, and they have a they don't really talk; they argue. Perrin's like, "We mm-hmm. gotta go." Like, what about our friends? I thought you wanted to be an Aes Sedai. And Egwene goes like, shut the fuck up. Shut up, shut up, shut up, shut up. You don't want See me. See these beads? <laughs> See these beads? No, she's like, you don't, you, what's with you wanting me to be an Aes Sedai now? You're just saying that because it's part of your agenda to get out of here. But really, like, come on. You don't want me to be an Aes Sedai. You're just saying that to get me, get get us out of here. And they just kind of leave off on like a bad note between each other. The next. Well, she also mentions just like, again, she mentions how much fun she's having. She mentions that the one of the women, I think, Ilya. Ila, Ila, it's uh, Rain's wife and Aram's grandmother. Yeah. So she's been, she's been uh, teaching her to be a woman. Yeah. Or at least a woman in the Tuathon way. Right. That's right. Which involves a lot of dancing, uh, a lot of partying. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think there's a point here where like Perrin like leaves the conversation and he puts a cloak on and Ela sees him and she's like, she makes a note that like that cloak would fit him better if he didn't have the ax. And that's more of like that. It's more of Ela just kind of judging and the people judging the fact that they tolerate violence in their way. Well, yeah, because remember they are. The way of they follow the way of the leaf, way of the leaf, which is uh, peace, which is super peaceful lifestyle, no violence towards humans ever. Yep. And uh, and so seeing an axe, you know, it's not something that they would normally welcome in their camps. Yeah, but I think it's less about um, like they're not going to banish you for it. Like you're still part of their group. They, I think they will. Uh, well, that's how they win people over too, because they also yeah. mention in this one that. That they they mention in this chapter that they don't that the tinkers don't need to win people over. It happens. It just it happens on its own. You spend enough time with them, yeah, and it will it will happen on its own. And so I think that they know. You know, you don't tell the person to get rid of the axe. Yeah, you can tell them that maybe you don't like the axe, but you let them come to the decision on their own to get rid of the axe. They'll 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 drop the axe themselves if once they see our ways. They'll do it. Yeah. And Perrin, like, I think in Amer- like in his own inner monologue, he's just like, this is just not how the way the world works. Like, there's Trollocs mm-hmm. and Fades, and there's there's just all these different things. The world operates on violence. You can't not take part of it. If you if you do, you're you're risking yourself and you're risking your your group of people. So yeah. I think inherently he does believe in this violent way. And I think Egwene, for just being who she is i think she finds this sort of lifestyle that's away from violence very very attractive i like i like that there's like a religious system here that kind of that kind of talks about this you know that talks about violence in this way uh yeah it's cool you don't see that in fantasy very often you know you don't see that in lord of the rings or like game of thrones like violence is just violence you know what i mean yeah it's usually something you can't escape from in these worlds exactly um so the next part after this, after he has this conversation with uh, Eli, I think it just goes into the next few days where he, uh, where we're talking about his dreams, Perrin's dreams. And for the most part, yeah. Perrin's dreams are pretty normal, but all of them involve a wolf in some way, you know, in all, some way. 
Yeah, there's he's a, having lots of wolf dreams. Lots of wolf dreams. And even like throughout his day, like he just knows where the wolves are. You know, like he knows that Burn is doing this. He knows that, or he may not know what Burn's doing, but he definitely knows what uh, Dapple is doing, what Hopper is doing. And, uh, uh, oh no, what's the uh, Dapple Hopper? Come on, man. Wind. Wind. And burn. Wind and burn. My apologies. Sometimes we got to go over this. <laughs> I wanted well, to say hay bale for some reason. Um, interesting. That's a good wolf name. That's, a, that's not bad. So, but he feels them. He, he knows where they are. And he can kind of like, it's not even like mind reading. It's more like you can extra- extrapolate feelings from them that can manifest words. You're connected to them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And even though Perrin is still coming to terms with it, may not believe it, we know that Perrin is a wolf brother. Yeah. That's what they're called? Wolf brother? Yeah, wolf brother. Wolf brother. So, of course, that's why he's having these wolf dreams. But of note here in his dreams, because um, most of them are pretty, pretty tame, until we get to a particular dream where he's in, um, where is he? He's in two rivers, and he's hanging out, and he's traveling with a wolf. He's got a wolf friend. Until right. all of a sudden, Bazelmon appears. Actually, that, that, dream is, that dream is interesting, because he actually... I'm going to correct you. Sorry. Sorry, Steve. Your dream is uh, incorrect. Why? And I, I, don't, I don't do this often, but I'm going to have to correct you. So the dream starts off where he's in Alsbet and Luhan's house. You know, oh, yeah, because there's that whole thing with Mistress Luhan. Yeah, where the, he's he's sharpening his axe and he's like... Surprised. But that's in Two Rivers. It is in Two Rivers. Like the... Yeah, it's, yeah, it's in Emmonsfield yeah, or Two Rivers, but it's in the house. It's in Luhan's house. And um, he's sharpening his axe. Parent is, ta- Parent is sharp- sharpening his axe. And he's surprised that he's doing this because Mistress Luhan uh, would never let tools be sharpened inside the house even if you had to sharpen a knife for cooking you would have to go outside to do it but there he is in the house sharpening his axe weird but also a wolf is next to him but then as the dream kind of continues on like you said balsamon shows up he he walks in through the door and he talks to parrot he's like he's essentially going like i'm in not in so many words, he's saying, "I'm coming to get you. I'm coming to get you. I'm coming to get you. I'm going to come get. I'm coming to get you and your friends and your little dog too. I'm on my well, way." The thing I thought that he that he said that was interesting is he goes, "Oh, this is your weapon," and referring to the wolf, mm-hmm. and he says, uh, "I've dealt I've dealt with this before many times." Right. Uh, yeah. No big deal. Interesting. Um, insinuated. That, uh, I don't know, maybe he's dealt with more. Like, what he's saying, the way I took that is what he's saying is, you're a wolf brother. I get it. You can mm-hmm. speak to the wolves. Your weapon is the wolves. You're going to try to fight me with wolves. Mm-hmm. Well, you can't. And let me show you why. And then next thing he does is he just incinerates Perrin's wolf friend that's hanging out with him. Yeah, yeah very graphically and just sort of turns him into a pile of ash black ash black ash um the other thing that i found really interesting during this conversation is that balsamon says like if 
if you are, I can't remember exactly what he says, but he's like, if you or any one of your friends are the one that I'm looking for, I'm going to get you. But the thing is like, he doesn't know. He still doesn't. Yeah, I thought that was interesting too, because he doesn't know which one it is, but he knows it's one of them. Yeah. But he he doesn't know. I mean, I guess we don't know who he's after, but I mean, it's got to be Rand. We, but yeah, um, we could be Rand, but like Rand's got to be the magical. I mean, Rand's probably the not false false dragon. I mean, let's be real here. Yeah, like there's all this talk of false dragons and all this talk of how Rand's not important. Here's, so I mean, he's got he's probably the real dragon. Here's a here's a thought that I just immediately have. What if the three of them, Pan, Perrin, Matt, and Rand? Are all our Triforce? Our Triforce of Dragon. I mean, I would love that. That would be dope. Right? I would love that. We could finally get that. The Dragon has three heads payoff that Game of Thrones never gave us. Ooh. That's right. I'm still pissed. <laughs> <laughs> but I don't know. Um, but yeah, I did think that was interesting. Him saying, if if it's if it's you, I'm gonna get you. Yeah. Um so but like why does he how does he even have these three kids or however many kids pegged out yeah that's the other thing is like how do you know them i guess it has to do with the fact that they're born during a certain time and i think some sort of prophecy at some point that we don't know of yet is going to kind of explain it and that's why he's there's got to be something them. more that there's got to be something more to it i wonder if there's a mole i wonder if there's a mole, mole, if there's mole, a mole, dark mole. agent yeah maybe Probably not, but maybe. So after his wolf friend is decimated, turned into black ash, I think Parent just immediately wakes up from the dream. Oh yeah, he snaps. He snaps, snaps awake because that was a crazy nightmare. Yeah, and he looks at uh, Elias, and I think Elias is already awake, or he's about to be awake, or doesn't really matter. But Elias, he goes like, "Now's the time. Time to go. Time to go. The thing happened." thing the, whatever it is and it's like all even the dogs are all kind of like rattled like parent, parent can feel this like the dogs are even rattled by what's going on and he thinks that like everybody has had the same dream you know yeah or has been part of this and this is kind of like the trigger of of going so he gets up and he's like we're going and i think uh rain the 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 tinker leader he goes you can't just go we have to we have to give you a send off, you know. He's really upset that they're not having a big feast to see them off. Yeah, because that's like their thing, you know. Yeah. But like, how many feasts can you possibly have? Where is this food coming from? That's what I want to know is where, where is it coming from? But I don't know. <laughs> you can't just live with feasts every single night of the week. What are you? What they are probably you? have hunter tankers out catching pheasants, rabbits. No, 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 no. You Maybe. can't because they have axes. If you if like maybe they just eat oats maybe they just eat oats that's not that can't be healthy that many people traveling just eating oats <laughs> that, that many oats <laughs> that many Ugh. oats that can't be good for you that's like a morning thing and a morning thing only where's your protein mm. where's your protein um i mean so that's that's it for this chapter i guess we don't get any hard answers on what elias really the feelings and stuff he's talking about and premonitions and everything I guess it's probably the Baselmon stuff that happened, but we I don't know. Yeah. As as for all the important stuff in this chapter, I'd say that that relatively wraps up. There is kind of like a goodbye sort of ceremony where they kind of um, 
say they say their goodbyes in this traditional format. There's a little moment between uh, Egwene and Aram where Aram looks pissed that he that she's going. I think he tried to keep her or try to have her stay, but he but I think Perrin's thinking that he didn't want to come with us. So it can't be me. It can't mean it can't mean much because he doesn't want to go with us, but he's trying to make her stay there. You know what I mean? Yeah. And on top of that, when Elias woke up and told everybody to get ready, Egwene didn't hesitate. No. She's like, we're going. She's like, right. So, there you go. So Take that, that parent. That, that is kind of like, that is kind of like a, a good show of faith for, for her. Like she, she's willing to have fun to where she can have it, but doesn't have to be. She, yeah. She knows what they got to do. Yeah. Um, I'm looking at my notes here. I'm trying to see if there's anything else that is worth looking at. Ah, not really. That's it. You know, we promised not to go as long as we did last time, but it looks like we've went close to the same length, actually. <laughs> uh, not quite as long, but yeah, it is a longer one. It's a longer one. I mean, as we're getting deeper into this series, into this book, I mean, we're understanding it a little bit more. We yeah. have more opinions, more theories, you know. Absolutely. And that's just bound to happen. That's what this this is all about. We're not experts. We're armchair literary. I mean, I'm students. sitting on the floor. I'm not even in an armchair. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you all for listening. We'll be back tomorrow with Chapter 28, Footprints in Air. Footprints in Air. <laughs> <laughs>